This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 2, What Happened to Saving? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Willis. With me this morning is Holly Bach. Hey, Holly. Hello, everyone. Holly Bach here. Welcome back, everyone. And also in the studio is our regular contributor, Katrina Willis. Hello. All right. Well, there is so much that we went over last episode. And if you haven't heard it yet, definitely go back and check that one out first. It really kind of looks at the outward pressures and financial uh, misinformation and outright lies, I feel, I'll just go ahead and say lies, that are given to us by Wall Street. And uh, we can we can go further. I mean, we could talk about, you know, this is not your average financial podcast, and that was all about the averages uh, of Wall Street, <laughs> right? Uh, so today we're going to be talking something uh, a little different. We're going to be looking again at, in part two of this series, we're going to be talking again about the trouble that we find ourselves in as a nation, really as, as a culture, but this time we're going to go a little deeper. We're going to look inward. Uh, last time it was all about uh, some of the misinformation of Wall Street. Today we're going to be talking about a problem that has really been exploding over the last few decades, and that is we are no longer a nation of savers. So I'm going to just start again with a statistic that just once again floored me, and I'd love for us to just sort of discuss this. I mean, how do we get past some of these truths? Forty-seven uh, percent. This is according to the uh, a report on the economic well-being of U.S. households in 2015 by the Federal Reserve. Okay, so not just you know some Tom, Dick, and Harry report shop. This is the Federal Reserve. They they say that forty-seven percent of all American households say they could not cover an emergency expense of four hundred dollars, that they'd have to sell something or go into debt to cover that expense. 400 bucks, what is that? That's a car repair. Car repair. Yeah. $400. I mean, really, that's a flat tire or two, right? I mean, that's a kid, you know, coming home with a, you know, a broken arm or something, you know, that that's something that could happen in an instant. Mm -hmm. That's half of all people that walk down the street. 47%, that's every other person you walk by, has that little in their pocket for an emergency. That makes it real for me. You know, maybe even one of you, uh, our dear listeners, are in this place, right? Another report recently, this is by the Pew Charitable Trust, said that 31%, or really one in three, uh, who are not yet retired, reported no retirement savings or pension at all. And that's 27% of those who are age 60 or older, okay? So one in three of us have really nothing saved for the future, and only one in two of us have anything saved for that emergency fund. So is this where I start weeping? <laughs> just start crying? Yeah, just in the corner. It's, it's, it didn't always, 
used to be this way, right? I mean, Holly, what do you think about this? When you kind of look at these statistics, what, what comes across your mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's staggering. Uh, I mean, the fact that, I mean, okay, 47%, so let's, let's keep it accurate, but let's be honest, it's about 50. I mean, half of um, Americans can't cover that level of emergency expense. I mean, maybe, um, you know, people would think, um, okay, well, yeah, maybe I couldn't cover a couple grand. You know, let, let's just say I needed a new roof. Like, okay, that would be that'd be heavy for me to cover without having to put on a credit card or um, something like that. But I mean, four hundred dollars, and that's it's. I mean, that, that's incredible. And and I think what's important to think about with that is is really even just kind of the tail end of that statistic, without having to sell something or go into debt. And so, I mean, we're talking about a liquidity problem, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily, I mean, it is truly a savings problem, but it's also where are we saving and are those savings liquid? I mean, this is 100% a liquidity problem. They, they may have $400 or you may be thinking, oh, okay, well, I've got 400 bucks. I'm good. I don't fall in this camp. So, you know, wow, I can't, can't believe my neighbor is though, you know, that, that stinks for them. But I mean, if you don't have access to that money without having to um, tap into your 401k or put it on a credit card, that is you. I mean, are you, is, do you have $400 sitting in a savings account? I mean, essentially, that's what we're talking about here. Just liquid, immediate money that you're not having to worry about timing the market to access. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's incredible that, you know, people don't have at least 400 bucks sitting sitting around somewhere they could tap into. I mean, shoot, $400. I mean, you could have that just sitting in a, um, you know, envelope at home. Not that I'd recommend it, but, you know, um, and so it's, it's crazy. And I think that a lot of it um, just comes from the fact that we've seen a shift in people's mentality um, when it comes to saving. And I feel like the longer I talk to people and the more um, kind of stories I hear uh, from my clients and, and just kind of general information that's out there is it seems like we've just it, it's kind of even an, an arrogance problem. Uh, you know, I mean, we we think that we can do better than our grandparents did. And so why would we need to do what they did? Because, I mean, our, our grandparents were saving. Um, Mark, we, we've talked about this before in the past, but in you know 1940, how much were, was the average American saving? It was about 27% of what they made. Yeah. 27%. Mm-hmm. And so just a couple years ago, just grandparents' generation, they were saving 27%. That's awesome. Um, but quite frankly, probably for some of them still not enough, but at least they were they were working hard. Um, but then what did we see in, in 2015? You know, in that, in those, you know, 60 years or 70 years, you know, what did we see that savings rate plummet to? 5.4%. Wow. And so something happened here where we decided we either didn't need to save, didn't want to save, or couldn't save. I mean, it could be any number of things, but I think also part of it was we thought we could do better. You know, we saw our grandparents putting money into savings accounts and money market accounts and, you know, life insurance and this. And we're just like, oh, that is so boring. Yeah. So boring. Mm -hmm. I need something better. I need something more exciting. I mean, I'm a millennial, you know, Mm -hmm. like I got to get in that market (laughs) and I got to get my 12% every year on my mutual funds. And your Bitcoin. And my Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so we just started putting, you know, everything at risk and, um, 
Mark, I've heard you say it before, and I just I love it because I think it's so true. Um, what what what's the little phrase that you share that we um, decided that we could? Yeah, I think risk more. I think this one? is yeah. I think this is kind of the subconscious statement that many Americans made, and I, I've been learning a bit about the history of what happened. Uh, a lot of it has to do with some uh, low interest rates that happened in the late 70s, early 80s, and before that, uh, avoiding tax schemes of as high as 90%. You know, so that's maybe why we funneled our money toward Wall Street. It really wasn't always the place people save for retirement, like you said so well, Holly. It was tin cans, savings accounts, life insurance. But the statement I think kind of exists in the subconscious of most of us is, I think I can save less because I will risk more and my rate of return will be higher. Hmm. So it's supposed to make up for the deficit mm-hmm. of, you know, I went from, or, you know, grandparents saved 27%. I'm only going to save 5.4%. But because for some reason I'm so special and so smart about my money, my 5.4 is going to act like 27. <laughs> so let's think about that for a minute. 27%. Let's say we were doing 0% return on that 27%, sitting in a tin can or a shoebox. And now let's take 5.4% and let's triple the money. Let's get 300% of return every single year forever. Is that likely? (laughs) Um. (laughs) But let's just multiply it. Let's multiply it by three and that's a little over 17%, right? That's still way less than the 27% getting zero rate of return. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the rate of return. It's about the volume that you can save Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So speculation, to your point, Holly, spot on. Yeah, we we did. We we became uh, intoxicated with the returns that we were promised, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and we thought, I mean, and I don't want to offend anyone, but I, I think to an extent we didn't want to have to put in the hard work. We didn't have to, have to work hard to save. We didn't want it to to be painful or hurt us. We wanted it to be easy. And so we got attracted to these easy way out kind of solutions. Get rich quick. I mean, you know, don't don't say it in those words to someone and you've got them. You know, I mean, you use other words to say, oh, hey, you know, do you want to know how you can make, you know, $5,000 a month in, in a year from now? I mean, that's, essentially get rich quick. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, yeah, how? Tell me, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. because we want something that's easy and we, we don't want it to be hard. We don't want it to be painful because, um, you know, I mean, with these these same statistics we were talking about from 1940 to, to 2015, our, um, we had to, sac- or our grandparents were sacrificing, you know, some level of um, lifestyle potentially, to be able to save that much. And we don't want to have to do that. I don't want to give up my Starbucks coffee, you know. Um, And so that's kind of the dynamic that we're looking at. And, I mean, we all fall into it. This isn't any, you know, pointing fingers at any particular person. And if I do point one finger at someone, that means I've got three pointing back at myself. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I get it. Um, And But at the same time, when you do that and you you try to take those maybe easy way outs or trying to take on more risks so that you don't have to save as much, that's how we end up where we are today, <laughs> where people don't have $400 liquid, or sorry, 50%, 47%, right, right. don't have, um, you know, 
$400 liquid accessible, ready to go to cover that flat tire, to cover that unexpected medical bill, um, you know, broken, mm-hmm. you know, so broken bone. Yeah. Yeah, New exactly. Pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so um, I just think we need to think about sometimes with, you know, how did we get here? And um, the reality of, of maybe there was, you know, like you were saying, Mark, you know, this episode a little bit more internal. And um, so it's, it's not easy to hear. It's not easy to admit. Um, but, you know, uh, at the same time, you, you, you have to kind of know what the problem is if you want to do anything about it or fix it. What do you think grandma would say if you asked her why? Why did she save? Why did she put all that cash into life insurance policies and savings accounts? What What do you think made her want to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd, it'd be great to bring grandma into the studio here and ask her. But there's <laughs> there's one thing's for sure. She sure wouldn't care or remember how uh, how she did over a three or four year period on her rate of return. And she probably wouldn't care or remember how many Starbucks cards or Starbucks drinks, not that they existed back in the 40s or 50s, but how many lifestyle luxuries she went, you know, went without because now she's able to live with a little more comfort and security than most Americans are today. I mean, there's another statistic here. One in three of us have no retirement savings. And by the way, another 23% of us have less than 10 grand saved for retirement. So that's a little over, you know, 50% um, have less than 10 grand saved. So the there's there's some interesting statistics here, but it it comes down again to the idea that we're really just uh, we're unwilling, maybe uh, myself included, to go without today in order to have something for the future, even if that future is next Tuesday when, you know, I I run over the nail, or if it's 40 years from now when it's time to retire. Uh, and financial advisors, by the way are really not um, uh, compensated to encourage you to save in that emergency fund, are they? You know, they, they would rather you put, like you mentioned, Holly, all of your eggs in a basket you can't touch until you're 59 and a half and have so little liquid and available. Like you said, it is a liquidity problem for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those of us that have set up 401ks at work <clears throat> or are saving, maybe there's, you know, that's that at least helps you out for the future. But um, if you've put all your money in something you can't access or control, the slightest little, you know, winds of change could blow the whole thing over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, any small little um, financial thing that comes up could set you back. I mean, I've, I've talked to countless people, I mean, and not even necessarily just clients, but even friends, family, that they'll talk about um, how, like, everything was going along fine and, and it's great, you know, they were able to do this, that, but then all of a sudden, you know, the car broke down or, um, and, and it's just like this one little thing that, I mean, certainly is a, a big event and it, it's not easy for anyone to, to get over that. But um, that, I mean, all of a sudden it's just like, that's when their, their financial life like fell off, you mm-hmm. know, where it's yeah. like just that one thing. Cause then they had to, they had to, you know, put that, that car, they, they take out a loan for that. And then that could cause this ripple effect and that new car payment that they didn't previously have. And so then they weren't able to pay off the credit cards fast enough. Mm-hmm. And then those credit cards just compounded and they didn't have enough cash flow. And so then they had to put more on the credit cards. Right. And it was just like, 
whoa, you yeah. know, how, and, how that can happen. When they're not paying one their, little thing. When mm-hmm. they're not paying those credit cards, then they get bad credit scores, which gives them higher interest rates on their mortgage, which means more money out the door to banks. It, you're right, Holly. It is, it is a snowball effect in the opposite direction. Yeah. You know, you you love compound growth when it's working for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, not so great when it's, you know, coming down on you like an avalanche. Yeah. At uh, 20%. Right. Yeah. 20, right. If, you're, if you're lucky, 25% on a, on a credit card. Oh, the compounding too. Yeah. And there are, and everyone's living paycheck to paycheck yeah. if they've got 400 in yeah. emergency expense available. So yeah. that's another big yeah. gap in savings. Well, and then you know, just just to be clear here, I think, Mark, the statistics you were sharing later on, um, the one in three, so roughly 30 of us have no retirement, and then 23%, an additional 23% um, have less than 10,000. I mean, that's including all savings now. So, you know, 50% don't have or have less than $10,000 saved. And so now we're actually including the 401ks, we're including the IRAs in this particular one. So, um you know, we, we talked before, 50% don't have, you know, $400 that's liquid. Well, then also a, a, another 50%, whether it's the same people or different, don't even have 10000 saved overall in right. anything. Right. I mean, that's not a liquidity problem anymore. Yeah. I mean, that truly is a, a savings problem. Um, and so just to kind of um, distinguish between the two a little bit because mm-hmm. it's like, wait, I thought you said 50% didn't have 400, now 50% of 10,000. But mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at slightly different groups here and, and where the money could be located. Um, and I mean, 10,000, um, you know, that that could even be a, a larger catastrophic event. I mm-hmm. mean, that 10,000 could wipe that out. And if that's their retirement savings and that is in a 401k, that means they're pulling that out before they're 59 and a half smack penalty, you know, and then smack again, taxes on it. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're only left with $5,000 to cover, yeah. you know, a larger expense. So, um, yeah, certainly important to be thinking about, you know, where, where we're putting our money and how accessible it's going to be and uh, actually how much we're saving too. So that's so true. You know, one of the things we talk about uh, at our firm is where you put your money makes it act different. And if you put all your money, even if it's just 10 grand, into a illiquid 401k, and then you do have the kid that needs braces, or you have the life emergency of another recession, or you get laid off, and you have nothing to draw on, you have to break the bank and pay the penalties and taxes on that 401k to do it, which is very inefficient and also, you know, troublesome. You know, you have to go through the, or you have to beg and borrow from a bank. And so that's the other side of this equation. There's, on average, again, this is according to the U.S. Department of Commerce Bureau in 2015, 35.9% of our income goes toward debt and debt financing. 35.9% of the average American's income goes to debt and a bank. So, again, that's after-tax money, right? That's not the rate of return. That's the actual dollar. So you, you take... If you make a dollar, you got to give 35, almost 36 cents to the bank off the top. Then throw Uncle Sam on there. So if time is money, and Katrina, I'm curious on, on your thoughts on this. If time is money, what does that mean for who we actually work for? <laughs> well, it means that you've, you've lost a third of your day. I don't know which third you want to lose, but it sounds like you don't have a morning or a lunchtime Can anymore. Can I get my commute? Can I 
can I give that to the bank, my commute? <laughs> I don't think they'll take it. Yeah. I don't think they'll take it. But you're basically spending a third of your time just trying to pay the bank. Not You're just spinning the wheels, mm-hmm. not making any upward motion. Um, and another piggyback on that is the payday loans and the checks cashed places. I don't know what we're talking interest-wise, but that's, what is it, Mark? Do you have an idea on the interest? It can be a nightmare of over 200 or even 1,000% depending Mm -hmm. on how they structure their loans. It's predatory. Yeah. So yeah, that is is the the uphill climb on the outside and on the inside. You know, we've, we've listened, I think, enough to uh, the commercials that tell us that we need the to keep up with the Joneses. And there's a wonderful commercial that talks about this. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Right? It's such so a great commercial. A thousand commercials a day tell you to go out and buy the latest and greatest, right? And then there's one commercial, and I forget who did it, uh, but the guy is talking about how he has this wonderful house and a great new car and a new swimming pool that he gets to you know clean out and he's swimming in it. Uh, and then he says, I've got all these wonderful things, and how do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) I can hardly pay my interest payments. Someone please help me. (laughs) That's it. If we want to keep up with the Joneses, we're going to run off the cliff with them. So I recommend in these final seconds here uh, to just remind folks that where you put your money matters. And part of what we'll be doing in this podcast overall and in this series in particular is beginning to discuss some solutions and true answers to the question, well, where do I save? How do I get over my own internal inertia to saving? You know, my own psychological desire to spend today and not have for tomorrow. There's some incredible brain research that we'll get into. So there's some some really wonderful things we'll be discussing. As you guys can tell, uh, these first few episodes, we're laying the groundwork and helping you see where things are. With all the financial noise and smoke and mirrors from Wall Street and, and from every commercial you watch, it's going to be tough to, to really know the truth about where your money is and how it works and your relationship to money. Guys, any other final thoughts as we're wrapping up? Yeah, no, I mean, just that that's, that's why we're doing this. You know, I mean, it's why we're doing this podcast to help hopefully um, help people think think more even Mm -hmm. just about what they're doing and why they're doing it. I mean, I feel like so much of financial advice is just telling people what to do and saying, well, just do this. Well, why? Or maybe they don't even ask Mm -hmm. why, but if you did, they say, well, just because. Mm -hmm. Like you press it further. Why? Well, because everyone is. Well, why? Because it's what everyone was told to do, (laughs) you know, and it's just, well, maybe if, as we've seen here, half of Americans don't have $400 in savings and that's what the majority, you know, whatever the majority of Americans are doing has brought them to that point. Is that what you want to be doing? Do you want to just be doing what everyone else is doing? So this podcast is all just about helping you, you know, think different and uh, helping you be more aware of what you're doing, why you're doing it. And also ultimately, as we continue on with um, our podcast and future episodes, you know, solutions and options available to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you're wanting to be the average American in debt up to your eyeballs, listen to another podcast. If you do not want to be the average, you've come to the right place. All right. Thank you all very much. Again, this has been another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. We'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. 
to join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money. Go to www.lakegrowth.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.